warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! JAFMP.com presents the most interesting podcaster in the world. His wit is so sharp, you can even shave Vaughn's beard with it. He is so cool, scientists now believe his voice is reversing the greenhouse effect. He is so humble, when you look up humility in the dictionary, you won't find his picture. He's far too humble to allow that. He is the most interesting podcaster in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I drink a shit ton of it. And then I record just another fucking movie podcast. Stay cool, my bitches. the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 70 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? I tell you, it's going. I'm making friends. Are you? I'm influencing people. Yeah, just yesterday. It must be business time. (laughs) It's it's business time. Yeah, no, as you probably recall, I have quite a bit of uh, construction and reconstruction going on in my house right now. I do know this. Yeah, so... Among the, the regularly scheduled construction and reconstruction, we had this brief little weird unseasonable rainstorm, which revealed that I have a leak in my roof. Okay. So I'd called the guys that put the roof on my house in the first place, which I, I bought a warranty from them, which is, I'm using it. And the guys, they just started like not showing up. They, they eventually showed up for like 10 minutes, looked at the roof and said, oh, you know, we'll be back the next day. And it's just not, they're gone. Don't know where they are. So anyway, it's not rainy. I'm not real worried about it. I was in my uh, restroom on the second second floor using the facilities. And I happened to look out the window. It's right there next to the uh, the toilet. And lo and behold, as I'm, I'm doing my thing, I, I look out the window and there's a roofer. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like looking, making eye contact. Looking right in at you. Yeah, yeah. He's, there isn't usually a roofer standing up there when I'm taking a leap, but in this case, there was. What do you do in a situation like that? I just, I kind of gave him the, you know, the nod. Well, the bad thing is that there was the third time that day that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were being a little cockheadish, <laughs> kind of winking at him out the window. <laughs> Call me. Yeah, maybe I. Well, I don't know. I was just trying to rehydrate. I, I had to keep going there. And could it be helped if maybe I was a little lonely? <laughs> oh, Eventually, geez. the roofer comes up. He just takes a big row of shingles and like 
staples them over the window. <laughs> While you're still taking a leak. Chunk, yeah. chunk, chunk, chunk. chunk. <laughs> Nail you gun time, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. No. Well, it's it's cool to see that you uh, still have a, a way with people. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons we're podcasting. I'm podcasting from an undisclosed location. I'm I'm not in my home right now. I cannot be in my house. I've been removed. Witness I'm pro- elsewhere. Witless I'm in the witless protection program. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's not actually any cell phone coverage here, and the internet is spotty at best, so God knows how well this podcast is going to go off. <laughs> so you're lucky to be hearing us at all, folks. Yeah. This could have been the Steve show. It could have very easily. Probably would have been a lot better. Well, so What are we listening to, man? We're listening to something really cool, something a little different, a little surf music, but with kind of a hard edge. This mm-hmm. is Man or Astro Man, one of your favorite bands. Yeah, these guys are great. I, you know, I tried real hard to get my dad into this music because he really likes surf music, but it's it's just it's not your father's surf music. It's a little too hard for dad. It's got a kind of a cool sci-fi edge to it. The opening yeah. tune tonight, Television Fishing from Experiment Zero, which hit Touch and Go Records in 1996. Very cool stuff. So we'll talk a little bit more about band history uh, a little later in the show. But first, you know what we always like to do about this time. Dude, what pisses you off? Dude, you know what pisses me off? Tile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pisses me off too. Not not the actual tile itself. I have nothing against the ceramics. All you all you ceramics that listen to this show, I don't want you you know sending us angry emails. No, trying to find the actual tile. See, the, this this kitchen we're doing is actually going to require some tile. I didn't really realize this. Until we are knee deep into things, but it's impossible to uh, to purchase tile for your kitchen uh, if the tile is is closer to your home than say an hour away. You have to drive at least an hour to look at tile, and then you, you got to look at lots and lots and lots of tile before you find the tile that is is going to make everybody happy. And by I don't want to mention any names, but by everybody I mean you know the person that I'm married to. <laughs> so yeah, we spent. Got hundreds of man hours looking at tile, trying to care about tile. Finally, I, I sent my lovely wife out to like do another day, you know, another 200 mile drive out to tile land or wherever she was going to find tile. And she looked for tile and she finally came back with what is the epitome, I guess, of, of the ultimate tile? It was a beige square. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even understand this at all. So, yeah, but that's not all the tile. We, we still have to pick out the accent tile. Oh, Jesus man. Christ. Yeah. I think I complained about this before, man. There was a couple of, of houses that my folks built when I was a kid, you know, young enough to not be in control of my own destiny. Yeah. And I, I remember many an hour sitting in a tile store or a carpet sample store or some other place like that in a time where things like Game Boys did not yet exist. Ooh, yeah. And, man, that was some miserable, miserable afternoon. So I don't envy you a bit. No playing Angry Birds. You're, like, there, and there's Tile. Yeah, no. The only thing I could do was, like, fight with my brother and sister. (laughs) Which really only got me in worse trouble, you know. Yeah, but see, as a grown-up with your spouse... The whole picking a fight to entertain yourself really goes poorly. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, speaking of kids, you know something that pisses me off. What? Yeah, I know kids piss you off. No, kids don't piss me off so much. But oh. sometimes situations happen as a dad. We love our kids so much. We're always trying to please our children. You know. Yeah. So my son wanted to have a backyard sleepover. You know, it's kind of just one of those classic American things where... Much better than a backdoor sleepover. Exactly. Don't you, want him to ask for that. <laughs> you pitch the tent in the backyard, and by that <laughs> I mean the actual tent, not... This is sounding filthy. Yeah, I know. And my son wanted to have his best friend over, and they were going to, you know, sleep out in the yard, and that's awesome. So we do that, and... About 2 in the morning, they decide, you know, my wife and I are trying to sleep. About 2 in the morning, they decide that it's cold and scary and they want to come in. <laughs> in the wild lands of Redmond. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, they go, of course, fine, come in the house. And so the next morning I go outside 
and the tent is somehow upside down in the middle of the yard. And, I mean, this is a six-man tent. It takes some doing to flip that thing over. And somehow wow. it's it's ups- it's physically upside down. And I had run an extension cord out to the tent so that the kids could watch the little DVD player and watch a movie. So I flip the They're tent really over, rough. and I, I pull out the extension cord, and I'm doing the coil thing kind of around my arm and elbow like you do. Yeah. And, I, I you know, it's first thing in the morning, so I'm wearing, like, my Tevas and just some shorts and a T-shirt. And I'm, I'm coiling up this 40-foot extension cord as fast as I can. I get to the end of it, and the end plug whips up and hits me right square in the nuts. <laughs> I, double, like <laughs> I double over in the middle of my own backyard, <laughs> moaning for about 12 minutes. Good Lord. So, yeah, sometimes we love our children just too damn much. Uh, so much it hurts. Yeah, so much it hurts. Another thing pisses me off is uh, you may not know this, but the Nally Factory, makers in the Northwest of fine canned chili for many years, has been closed. Moving to China? No, nah, they got bought up like by Bird's Eye Foods or something, so it's moving to the Midwest. Aww. But like Nally, good Nally products have been disappearing for years. They used to make potato chips that were good. Those are gone. They're oh, good. Yeah. They used to those. make a bunch of good pickles, and now they only make shitty pickles. And then now the chili's probably going to go too. So that totally bums me out. I hate what are you going to do? Food. Move to Denison's? No, nah, yeah, I don't know. Just you know, have more. I already have homemade chili when I'm serious about it. But occasionally, yeah. I still go back to that college concoction where you take like a couple of slices of bread, about three hot dogs, fried hot dogs, slit down the middle, a whole and can a of chili. A bunch of chopped onions and, and grated cheddar cheese and then microwave it is so fucking good. It's terrible for you, but I love that junk food item. Anyway, so. Wait, fried hot dogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You take the hot dog and you cook them on a grill pan. Jesus, what's wrong with you? Dude. You fry bologna too? No, I don't fry bologna. Although <laughs> a fried hot dog, is, you're, it's not that far apart. Anyway, so I, I'm going to miss me some Nally chili, I tell you that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it sucks. Hey, I got a question for you. All right, I got an answer. Sometimes I act kind of like an asshole. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I want to know, in this situation, was I an asshole or not? Probably. So, you probably were. We could just shorten the podcast. Yeah. Talking yeah, you about, you know, how much we love our kids. My son's bike was getting too small for him. And so my wife and I were it, talking. Were you, like, over. washing it on hot? Or? No, no. It's just he's outgrown it. He's getting to be a bigger oh. kid now, and kids grow fast, and... He's outgrowing his bike. So it was just the week before Redmond Derby Days, which is this bike parade they have every year. And so we wanted to get him a new bike. So I go on Craigslist and I start looking up a couple of things. you ever buy very much stuff off of Craigslist? I sold a bunch of stuff on Craigslist. I have not bought much on Craigslist. Well, it's always kind of a mixed proposition. You never really know what you're going to get. And yeah. so, you know, we, we first we find this, this bike. It's like a specialized rock jumper, rock hopper, or something like that. Looks like a good little bike. We see it, you know, in the pictures. and It looks decent. So we call the guy up, and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I had another guy who was coming over here, but he hasn't showed up, so come on over. We're like, sweet. You know, it's like 70 bucks for a, a good name brand bike. Sure. And so, you know, we drive over to the guy's house. It's not that far, that far away. We get there, and we're sitting there, and we're talking to him, and it turns out he's from California, too. And, you know, he, he knows a lot of the same places we do. We're having a great old time chatting with this guy. And my son's looking at the bike, and he digs the bike. And then the other guy pulls up. Yeah. And he, he walks right over. Doesn't have a conversation with the guy at all or anything like that. And uh, we kind of step aside to give the guy some room, you know, figuring, well, he was coming first. And so then the guy turns around, and he walks over. And he's like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to sell the bike to this guy. And we're like, crap. All right. So my son's all disappointed. But that's all right. You know, we'll, we're, we'll find another one. There's probably another one in there. So we uh, look around some more, and we find this other bike. It's another good-looking bike. It's uh, listed as a Trek 20-inch frame bike. And so we call the guy. He's got it. I should have known that things were going to go funky when uh, immediately because he goes, Yeah, I'll meet you over in Bellevue in the Whole Foods parking lot. And I'm like, It's, oh, get, wait it's a minute. getting real. <laughs> flag. It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. And the guy's <laughs> yes, like, it is. <laughs> the guy's like, What? <laughs> you said that too, <laughs> I totally said that he like totally didn't get it I was like oh never mind <laughs> anyway so okay yeah we'll meet you in the Whole Foods parking lot 
And so it was on 4th of July, and he, we had to meet him there at like 11 a.m. And, you know, we have to get over to our family's house afterwards for barbecue. And so it's kind of a pain in the ass, but we're going to go ahead and do it. So we go to the Whole Foods parking lot. We call the guy. He's like, yeah, you know what? I haven't left home yet. Can you meet me at the Baskin Robbins on Mercer Island, which is like 20 miles away from there? And we're like, shit. Yeah, fine. I don't know where that is, but whatever. So we get on the road. We go to the Baskin Robbins, and we sit there, and we wait for him. We wait for him. Call the guy again. He finally shows up. He gets out the bike, and the bike is like about a 16-inch frame. The thing's tiny. My son goes to sit on it. It's just ridiculous. It's smaller than the bike he has now. The guy goes, geez, I'm, I'm really sorry I had you drive all the way out here. As I, I could have sworn that was a 20-inch frame, but looking at it now, on the, it says right on it, it's a 16. I'm sorry. But you know what? I've got a specialized rock, ju- rock jumper at home. I live five minutes away. I'll go get that one, and I'll bring it here, and you know, I'll give it to you for the same price. He says, it's going to take a little work because it needs some brakes, and it needs you know, a couple of things, but you know, it's a good little bike. I go, fine. We're already here. Go ahead. Go for it. So the guy leaves for five minutes. He comes back with his other bike. There's, like, not a single brake line on it. <laughs> it has no seat. And then he reaches, he, he rustles around in his truck, and then he pulls out and he slaps, like, a huffy seat on it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then he fixes it. And he's like, yeah, that's the seat that came with it. It's a specialized bike, and it's got a huffy seat that came with it. <laughs> And I'm just and Volkswagen rims already, you know, okay, driving to Mercer, Mercer Island, my annoyance level went up a notch. The last bike went up another notch being misrepresented. The third. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to redline. I'm getting a little bit pissed off now. And the guy's like, you know what? I, I feel really bad. I, I do. I've got another bike. I have a, he says, why don't you just go to his house or his exactly. Well, he goes, <laughs> I got a, I got a Gary Fisher. I'm going to want a little more money for this one. But I have a Gary Fisher that's in better shape. You know, it's ready to ride now over in my shop. Follow me over to my place, and, you know, you can take a look at it. I put, like, 60 bucks into that one already. I said, well, what do you want for it? Guy goes, well, I was at looking for 90 I said, no, that's out of our price range. He goes, well, what were you looking for? I said, well, we wanted 60 or 70 And he, like, thinks about it for me. He goes, well, I made you drive all the way out here, and I made you wait. You know, I'd probably give it to you for 70 I'm like, okay, let's let's go take a look. I'm already smelling blood in the water because I'm like, Gary Fisher? Hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so we go, and he drives us through, like, this this neighborhood into these, like, apartment buildings. And he parks, and he, like, leads us around behind these apartment buildings. And he goes, okay, wait here. And then he goes down and start the, inside the apartment building, and he starts bringing bikes out. I don't know where he's getting these bikes. <laughs> Jesus. If he's, like, stealing. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of weird. And so he brings out this shitty red line, and he goes, hey, I can let you have this one for 70 And I'm like, yeah, no. Bring out the Gary Fisher. We'd like to see the Gary Fisher. So he brings it out, and the Gary Fisher is really nice. It's got grip shifts on it, so it's actually a shifting bike. It's got a rock shock on the front of it. I mean, it's a nice bike. And the only thing is, like, the brakes are a little squishy, but they're there. It actually has brake cables. Component-wise, it's got Shimano components. If there's enough bike there. There's probably a three or four hundred dollar bike, yeah. so yeah, you know, go ahead and do this deal. So he's like, "Well, you know, I, like I said, I, I can let you have this one, but I put some money into it." I said, "Nah," I said, "You want to do it for seventy? We'll do it for 70. He goes, "What well, did did I say seventy? I thought I said seventy. I, I like start. I take my wallet out and I'm just laughing, and I go, "No, you said seventy, and I give him the money, and I just take the bike." <laughs> Was that an asshole move for you? Absolutely not. <laughs> This guy was a clown. I would not have given him that much time. I wouldn't have ended up with that bike either. But so, you know, good job. Yeah. And my son loves the bike. So, you know, it was it all worked out, but it was a pain in the ass getting there. Yeah. When you get on Craigslist, you you never know what you're going to get when it comes to people. There are just some real crazies out there. I think I talked to you about the people I dealt with when I was just trying to get rid of my piano. Holy God. Really? Yeah. Did I not tell you about the people, the piano people? People trying to buy a piano on Craigslist are insane. There'll be a picture of the piano and a description of the piano right there in the ad, and then they'll ask you, is it a different kind of piano? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the one in the picture. That Read the description. Oh, okay. And, like, in my little description, it says, you come and pick it up. You know, it was like $200 for a freaking piano. Okay, well, yeah, we decided we, we are going to buy your piano. Um, 
Now, for $200, that includes tuning and delivery, right? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to lift this thing into my Acura, drive it over to your house and tune it. <laughs> How about I catch it on fire in front of my house instead and watch it? I would get more pleasure out of that than whatever I'm going to do with that $200. <laughs> so you, yeah, you ended up Craigslist. getting out of the uh, piano business? You're- yeah, I gave it to the Salvation Army. Oh, okay. They, like, showed up when they said they were going to with a big truck. They took it away. Ta-da, give me a receipt, one piano. You know, give it to my accountant at the end of the year. Deduct it on my taxes. Could not sell it. Could not really even give it away. Some people, like, came and looked at it. Oh, we really like it. Yeah, we measured it. Yeah, it's exactly what we want. It fits in our house. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll buy it from you. And then they call back an hour later. Yeah, you know, we're not actually going to buy it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But we really liked it. Like, they wanted me to feel good about my, my piano. <laughs> like, they were concerned I was going to feel negatively towards my piano. Well, they were the trying hell? to let you down easy, I think. I guess so. I'm not a real intimidating person. I can't imagine they're in the house looking at each other, you know, looking at me like, oh, my God, we can't tell them we're not buying the piano. Look at that guy. He's nearly 5'7". <laughs> well, maybe you're more intimidating than you think. Maybe so. I mean, maybe they've heard your political rants. That could be. <laughs> People do tell me that I'm yelling at them when I'm not yelling, so I must have something going on. You must. So do you have a political rant this week? Yeah, I got a political rant. Here's my political rant. Steve, <laughs> you, you were close to this. Okay. I want to know from your perspective, I want to know what really happened. Borders, Borders is gone. Borders books is, is filed chapter seven. They're closing all of their stores. They're, they're liquid- firing all of their employees. They're liquidating all of their stock. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everyone thinks, oh, another company, bad economy, and you can't compete with books online. But no, there's still bookstores around. There's still big bookstores and, and small bookstores. Amazon's still around. I'm, bu- I'm buying books. What, what happened? Well, I mean, I was an employee of Walden Books and Borders for about 12 years. And I have not been with the company for a decade, over a decade. But during that time, I was still in the book industry. And so, you know, I kind of have my opinion. I don't know if that's 100% accurate. But my thought is that when Borders was at its best, the reason that Borders was great was because of their selection. Borders in their prime was basically like the long tail theory incarnate. You know, if your best friend told you about the third book in some weird sci-fi series that you had to pick up, they would have it. If your grandpa wanted some esoteric German World War II history book, they would have that too. They would have every little band in their CD section. They'd have weird films in their DVD section. They'd only have one of them, but they would have everything. And that was what made them great. And the reason that they had that was because of this inventory system that they had that was developed by Tom and Lewis Borders. And th- when they started, they were really ahead of the curve as far as, like, their systems. And so you had, like, their really good systems, and then on top of that, you had a lot of great people with a lot of book knowledge. As time yeah. went on, they started revolving their executives. And they started bringing in folks that were, like, from the drugstore world or the grocery store world who no longer kind of felt that... I don't know, that books were a special thing that needed to be sold differently than widgets. Oh, they were looking at them like potato chips. Right, and so, you know, they started, like, implementing these programs like category management where they would essentially sell space in sections to publishers to feature books and shit like that. And and it just kind of got away from the core of that books are special. And then as they started getting away from that, they still were arrogant about the fact that they had the best system, but... They didn't spend time to get ahead of the curve in other ways. Like, you know, we spent a year working on Internet stuff that never saw the light of day because at the end of the game, they ended up having Amazon do the, their fulfillment. Oh, they, they were working on an e-reader really early in the game, too, and never ended up doing anything. Ended up selling Sony readers and then partnering with a company from Canada called Kobo like a couple of years ago. After things were already in play, the Kindle was happening, the Nook was happening. So, like, there was no vision at the top to kind of keep them technologically in front. 
and they started getting rid of the good book people because, you know, they could hire an assistant buyer to do the same job for less money as these buyers who'd been around for 20 years. And so you have all these factors of losing good people, an arrogance that know we're still the best, and a lack of executive vision. And I think that that is what eventually led to the company dying off. That's too bad. I hate, I hate, hate, hate when these things happen. Like one of these companies, big companies, and it just takes them forever to like mobilize a project and get going like their website and puts all kinds of energy into it. And then they don't actually manage to implement it. That's right. Well, I remember, you know, people in our division saying, you know, just put it up, fix it as you go. No, no, we can't do that. But that's what people do now. You know, you put up a website, there's a problem with it. You know, you have a new iteration every day if you need to to get it right. I mean, shit, MySpace is still that way. But and if you're Facebook, you just force the changes on everyone and don't tell them about it. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's kind of how it's done. But it, like I said, it breaks my heart because I grew up with that company. I worked with a lot of really great, smart, talented, inspirational people. I learned a lot about how business is done. It just, it kills me that Borders is closing. It kind of feels like the country is just going to get a little more illiterate, and that's my political rant. Wow. Insightful. I don't know about that. Yeah, I got some insight. I didn't know. But there are still bookstores out there, and, you know, support them. Go out there and buy the printed word. Go to book signings. When George R. R. Martin comes to your town, go see him. Get a book signed. Let me get the buffet line. You know, support these guys so that we have them, because if you don't, we won't. And all that will be left is podcasts. Exactly. You'll just have to listen to me. And you don't want that. No, you don't want that. Let's listen to a tune. Let's listen to a tune. This is my actual favorite, number one favorite song from Man or Astro Man. This is Sound Waves Reversing. meter. The sound waves are reversing. No! Once again, that was Soundwaves Reversing from 1997's Made from Technetium from Touch and Go Records. Oh, uh, can, I, can I talk about Man or Astro Man? Please now? do, yeah. Educate right, so, me, because like, I know the band. I'm vaguely familiar through you, but I've never listened to them as much as you have, so I'm learning a little bit with the listeners tonight. This is awesome. Okay, well, I think it's a first for us, because Man or Astro Man, uh, a collection of guys that don't actually come from planet Earth. Really? They are, they're interstellar travelers. It's never really been made clear exactly where they're from, but they are definitely not from here. Uh, they showed up in the early 90s and were absolutely prolific. They just kicked out this this surf rock and roll sound that was, a lot of people called them punk rock because it, it really did adhere to the louder, faster, shorter philosophy of punk. But they were, they were doing surf tunes. And you listen to it, it is undoubtedly surf rock and roll their stage shows were elaborate they would be up there jamming and they would have a gigantic tesla coil shooting lightning out oh cool uh, 
Yeah, they, they for a while there they would throw uh, snacks to the audience, various marshmallow snacks. I guess that they thought that um, humans needed to be fed in order to uh, remain happy, so they would feed us in order to keep them from being devoured. And they, they'd have all kinds of uh, what a lot of people considered costumes, space suits and, and whatnot. And behind the band, they would play a lot of um, Earth science fiction movies, a lot of real B-movie, Japanese monster movie type stuff going on in the back. And when their, their songs did include lyrics in, in human language, they were often about sci-fi type things. They did... Uh, themed mystery science theater. They did a, a few other fun science fiction type songs, and they do it with just this heavy blast of guitars and then some uh, some sound effects like a theremin. They would use a theremin. They would use uh, in their later stuff. They brought in more synthesizers and keyboards and some sampling. But uh, it was is guitar heavy, fast and furious. A lot of minor chords, a lot of tension that really gets your attention and, and keeps you with it. The band members, by the way, uh, on drums is uh, an individual named Bird Stuff. On bass and keyboards, Coco the Electric Monkey Wizard. And on uh, guitar is uh, Star Crunch. They had a, a, other members of the band have floated in and out. They've had a lot of, a lot of others in the band. Currently, uh, Victor Vector is, is holding down position of uh, another guitarist spot in the band. And Victor Vector... Shortly after I saw the band in San Francisco last, he picked up uh, some sort of an earth virus and became very, very ill to the point where it looked as if he might perish. Really? But he's, yeah, he got like a lung infection, not being from the planet. He did not have health insurance. So it was a real bad deal. He was in, a, in an earth hospital for a really long time. But he's out. He's back. He's, he's healthy. And... Uh, the band is doing their utmost to to help him pay off his bills. They've they've had a lot of auctions of Man or Astro Man memorabilia and uh, and best of luck to Victor Vector. The, the thing about Man or Astro Man, besides being from another planet, is they put out about ten albums between '93 and 2001, and then they just uh, went on hiatus. I don't know if they went back to work on their their ship or what they were doing, but when they were gone from the scene, they weren't recording, they weren't touring, they uh, had some clones go out and tour for them. Now, a, an Earth band would consider this maybe maybe creating your own tribute band, but they were it, it wasn't that. It's it's hard to understand with our perspective as Earth beings. But the Alpha clones were sent out. And they did the same songs, they did the same music, they did the same stage show, but they were different individuals doing it. Uh, instead of bird stuff, they had dork stuff. Uh, Coco's clone was Cocoid. Star Crunch had a clone named uh, Chromo Crunch. And at the time, I think the Dexter X was in the band, and his clone was Dexter Y. But it was a totally new lineup, and they, they toured, and they were rather successful because the Man or Astro Man brand rocks even if it's not the original members doing it. So did you ever see the Alpha Clones play? I did not see the Alpha Clones, but they sent out a second group of clones, the Gamma Clones. <laughs> and I saw them, and these clones were, even though they were clones, I don't know exactly how this, this works because I'm human, but these clones were all female. Really? Yeah. And there was Coco Active, and there was uh, Chromita, Starita, and Tweety Tone, a one with a bizarre name of Carol. I still don't quite understand that. So I saw them by accident. I was really confused. I saw an ad in the newspaper, and it, it's one of those little square, you know, like one-eighth of a page ads, and it says, Man or Astro Man, one line, and then below it, it says, Clone Project Gamma, and then there was, like, the name of another band. And I, So I thought I was going to see Man or Astro Man headlining, and, like, before then, there was this other band called Clone Project Gamma, and I was thoroughly confused when a bunch of what appeared to be human women took the stage and started ripping out these songs. It was it was disconcerting, to <laughs> say the least. I would but Man or Astro Man, they, they began touring again recently, just in the last few months. I uh, saw them in San Francisco just after the New Zealand earthquake. I don't know if those events are related. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. If you want to listen to some Man or Astro Man, you're thinking, my God, they, there are so many CDs, not to mention all the EPs, singles, and... Uh, individual tunes they put out on compilations. The ones that you should really direct your attention to are Made for Technesium, which is uh, came out in 1997. It's 
one of my favorites. And maybe the second favorite is Destroy All Astro Man, which came out in 94. Destroy All Astro Man is much more guitar-oriented, uh, made from technetium, starts to get a little more keyboardy, a little more weird. And then after that, E-E-V-I-A-C. What does E-E-V-I-A-C stand for? Uh, it doesn't stand for anything. It's E-V-I-A-C. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> that was magnificent. Thank you. Um, it's pretty cool, too. That's the one where the drummer really kind of blew up and and really goes off like he does not in any other album. I don't know if he got a hold of some earth amphetamines or, or what the deal is with that, but uh, those are the ones to check out. There's They did a live album called Live Transmissions from Uranus. <laughs> the, they did a kind of a compilation of their own work called Destroy All Astro Man, which is a really good disc. I've got that one. Uh, what Remains Inside a Black Hole? I'm a little nervous about what does remain inside a black hole. You Experiment Zero, Project it, Infinity. It's it, really hard to go wrong with their stuff. Experiment Zero actually has a couple of tunes that I really dig. Uh, DNI and uh, Nine Volt is really badass. Yeah. Nine, yeah, Volt, Nine Volt is, is Nine, cool. Nine Volt is a great fucking tune. Yeah, if you're into any sort of uh, extreme sports, that's a good song to listen to while you're... Yeah, it's just really high energy. Doing your, your jet bike thing. But it's one of the few that also has lyrics to it, too. So, cool Yeah, stuff. so if you're if you're into this, this music you're listening, I strongly recommend you go get yourself some Man or Astro Man. So how many times have you seen them? I've only seen them once. I've seen the clones once, and I've seen the band oh, okay. once. But I've been listening to them for a long time. Yeah, I know you've been listening to them for a really long time. So I'm surprised that you hadn't seen them more, huh? Well, I well, guess by the though, time you I you know got them, on, they were on really hiatus, started listening right? to them is when they they stopped playing. Yeah, exactly. So I was buying all these albums and going, "No, I sure wish I could see these guys, but they weren't doing their thing." Cool. We can find most of their stuff through Estrus and Touch and Go Records. Thanks to Touch and Go for uh, allowing us to feature the band. Let's check out another tune, dude. Yeah, let's do it. All right, this tune also from Evac. Wow, well said. Interstellar Hard Drive. It's the same series of signals over and over again. interesting podcaster in the world. He uses the F-word so often, he had to tap into the nation's strategic reserve of profanity. When another podcast plays his promos, that podcast becomes 37% more interesting. His opinions are so brutally honest, 
filmmakers have filed restraining orders against them. He is the most interesting podcaster in the world. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to my own at jafmp.com. Stay cool, my bitches. All right, once again, Man or Astro Man with Interstellar Hard Drive. From <laughs> Great stuff. Multimedia triage. What are you digging on this week? Dude, I'll tell you what I'm digging on. Breaking Bad has returned. I got to see the first episode of the new season. As you know, the last season left with the ultimate cliffhanger. Did he shoot? Did he not shoot? Really what's happening? Oh my God. Picks right up there and absolutely continues kicking ass. It is not a happy, light, foo-foo, bunnies and unicorns type uh, series. It is it is hard. It is gritty. And oh my goodness, that was a hard episode. That was, a, that was one of the best episodes. If you haven't watched it, it's not too late. Quick, set your TV to record Breaking Bad. Go back and watch that episode. Marvel at what a badass Gus is. And uh, if you're a high school science teacher, you might consider getting into making amphetamines if you need to <laughs> pay for your cancer cure. Yeah, I still uh, need to go back. I liked and it better than, uh, than, I got to say, I liked it better than Game of Thrones. I got to go back and catch up with that series because I kind of feel like I can't jump in now because I haven't watched the first two seasons or whatever. Oh, you absolutely can't jump in. You've got to watch season one. You've got to watch Walter White's transformation from insecure, dorky science teacher to badass yeah so yeah actually now that you mention it did we ever talk about the end of game of thrones no i don't think we did what did you think you know i really like game of thrones but when it was all over i couldn't believe how fast it went and even though they did a stellar job of hitting all the high points in the story i just felt like so much was left out yeah. just all the and really, it would have been a 5,000-hour miniseries if they would have put everything in. It's just a case of they did the best possible job of making the book into a TV show, but the book is just plain better, and you've yeah. got to read the books. Well, and the thing is, like Game of Thrones is one of the shortest books in the series. So they're going to yeah. get into Clash of Kings and Storm of Swords, and I don't know, how, would, would that be like 14 episodes or 15 episodes? How long will those go? I don't know, because that, that first book, you're right, it is a fairly tight little narrative with most of the characters sort of all together most of the time. Yeah. And, you know, compared to the explosion that happens afterwards, I don't know how they're going to do it. Right. But, I, you know, I have to say, again, most of the time, the, uh, the casting was really well done. And the way that they kind of wrapped it up concisely, it worked for me. I get you know seeing all the 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 your favorite characters. It felt like they did it the right way, and yeah. so I, I did enjoy it. Now speaking of George R. R. Martin, Dance with Dragons is finally here. You said it wouldn't happen, man. I'm holding the book in my hands, and I'm still not quite believing it. I think I'm going to wake up at any point. I'm holding it in my hands. I've got the book right here too. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm only maybe 100, 200 pages into it. I, have you finished it? No, I'm on eight page 816. So okay. <laughs> I've got about 100 pages left, 150 pages left, and I'm loving the story. It is so great to be back with these characters. I, I do have a few gripes with it. I have to say, like, for those of you who, like, are not super familiar with what happened, George wrote the first three novels in the series. He gets to book four. And book four is so big and so fat, he decides to split it in two. So he splits it into Feast for Crows, which came out five years ago. And then it took five years to get to the release of this book, Dance with Dragons. So when you read Feast for Crows, uh, one of George's M.O.s is that he does a lot of uh, telling the tale through different characters' points of view. And so yeah. you'll jump around to different point of view characters and it's an interesting way of like communicating history to you because it will be how somebody you know experiences a, a story being told by someone else or you know this person is here when this epic thing happens in the world and then you get to jump over and see you know something else that's really important happen as someone else is witnessing it so it's a good way to kind of capture everything that's going on in the, in the world without having the all-knowing narrator He's always been so elegant about that. 
And book five really feels like, like there's a chapter early on. I know that you've probably read it by now. Where If you give anything away, I, I swear to God, I will no, kill li- you. Just, just listen. There's a <laughs> chapter where half the chapter is something you read a book ago from a different point of view, verbatim. And it just feels like, really? Why am I reading this again? Why couldn't you rewrite it from, you know, so you're adding something to it? And then you, you go along, and half of the book is dur- happening during the same time period as Feast for Crows. So you're meeting all these characters that you really care about that didn't appear in the previous book. Yeah, that was the one real bullshit thing about Feast for Crows is most of your favorite characters, they just don't show up. Right. And so in this book, you go through it, and you're feasting on great tales from characters like i'll say it Tyrion. he's a badass he's back so you spend a lot of time with Tyrion, and then halfway through the book all of a sudden all these other characters from feast for crows start popping up and it's it just it has the feeling of like you know how you see like there's a house and they decide to add on to it so they slap a trailer house a mobile home on the side of it <laughs> yes it just lacks George R. R. Martin's usual elegance in narration and storytelling, the way he slapped this book together. It's clunky, and that kind of bothers me. It kind of takes me out of the story a little bit when I'm cognizant of the mechanics of the writing. But yeah, that's too bad. Now, once you get once you get like 600 pages into it, it's everybody just mixed up again, and it's awesome. So in a way, it's a minor gripe, but it's like a mechanical thing where you're like going, oh, I just, I wish this had been done differently. How many times have you heard that? (laughs) (laughs) I wish this had been done differently. I've got a film. Don't bring my wife into this. Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. It's well worth your 35 bucks or whatever you can get it for on the open market. You probably pick it up cheap at uh, Borders. (laughs) Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah, the the thing that I I like it so far, you know, I'm only 200 pages into this mighty tome, but the one thing that I find distracting is I'm I'm reading a section on Davos, and I'm not giving anything away here. (laughs) Okay, I got to say it. Who gives a fuck about Davos? Not I. Really not I. That that character got way too much time in Feast for Crows, and I'm very perturbed that I have to endure him some more. But he's like... At a place, and he's thinking about, you know, who's on whose side and trying to figure out who, who is taking sides. And he's almost rattling off lists, it seems like, of of minor houses and, and tribes and groups. And it seems like there's just a whole bunch of really fast-paced history going on. And I'm trying to keep track of all the... All these minor characters, like thinking, wait, I read this what six years ago. Who are the who are these guys? Who are the the, the house whose emblem is like a, a farting tuna fish or something? What? <laughs> it's, it's it's a little complicated for me. On a field of green with a bar sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh. And the McJoneses, famous for their pork and cabbage <laughs> stew, their standard. From their house upon the rock, over the valley, over the vale of the tree. You know what's... Of course, blowing know, wheat in the wind. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? This is a minor thing, but you'll, you'll, probably, you'll probably have noticed it. Like, every meal in Dance with Dragons has neeps in it. And he's never went, mentioned the word neeps in any of the other four books. And all of a sudden, neeps are fucking everywhere. And so <laughs> I, I looked it up, and that's like the Scottish term for turnips. But it was like he learned a new word, and so now every single <laughs> so every meal has fucking neeps. So that just kind of amused me. But are yeah, the nice who say neeps? Are they in this? I think they are. But yeah, I've, I'm enjoying the book, and so far, almost no Brienne of Tarth, which is fucking great. Oh, I like her a lot better than Davos. No, I, she sucks. She's all right. Davos is bores me. No, I, I would I prefer Davos. Too. Maybe they could get together and he could try to finger her. Because <laughs> he's got no fear. He's got no fear. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. His luck. Anyway. <laughs> Anything else you're digging on? Uh, you know what? The Steam Summer Sale just wrapped up. It ran like from July 1st to the 10th. 
And they were selling a whole bunch of computer video games for dirt cheap. I picked up a game called Braid, which is like this level-jumping Mario type of thing, but you can control time. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. pretty fucking mind-bending and cool. I'm enjoying the shit out of that. It was like $2.50. I picked up the entire Assassin's Creed series for 25 bucks. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was just like... There were so things were so cheap I couldn't. Oh, Horde! Remember we talked about that at PAX, the little yeah. dragon game. Yeah, two bucks. That's cool. Yeah. So that was the shit. I, I I spent a bunch of money buying really cheap games, and that was awesome. So keep an eye out for it. They do that every once a once a year. And it was funny because like one of the games was dirt cheap was Far Cry Two, and I really enjoyed Far Cry One. And I went to go buy it, and then I looked in my Steam library, and I was like, oh, I bought it last year for like three bucks. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> even played it. I forgot I had it. So, yeah, there's some great stuff there. All right, not quite as cheap, but on the Xbox, I started uh, playing Sacred 2, Fallen Angel. I have no idea if there is a Sacred 1. <laughs> how, but... So how did you pick that game? Just out of blue or... Play I was actually looking for a dungeon crawler that I could play with my kids. And I kind of blew it because you, you can play like up to four or six players online. But on the same Xbox, it's, it's two players at a time max. Mm-hmm. It's rated like M for mature, but for no reason I can figure out at all. There, I mean, I guess if you think about it, you are just randomly shooting arrows into people and lopping off heads. But it's not – there's a setting where you turn off the gore and it's – which I did, and I don't know what the big deal is. So is it kind of like Torchlight? Yeah, it's a lot like Torchlight. There's like six different classes you can pick, and each class can can worship a different god and get different powers. It's much deeper than Torchlight, but it's it's a lot of running around, finding treasure, killing monsters, powering up, and there's a there's a like a technology tree for your spells. You can you can learn them between the trigger buttons, the triggers, and the the four action buttons on the Xbox controller. You can map you know, 12 different attacks, including combinations thereof to those buttons and then potions over on the little D-pad. It's it's simple enough that you can just pick it up and play, but it's it's deep enough that you can spend some time going, oh, well, do I want to power up this art or that art? You can modify your weapons by putting in gems that give you powers, runes, you can learn the spells, or you can have a blacksmith stick it into your one of your weapons or pieces of armor to, like, become more powerful that way. There's a lot of decisions you can make, all of which to a child are all-encompassing, incredibly important decisions, and they can spend hours like trying to figure out exactly how they want their character to be. But it's a fun dungeon crawler. Seriously, Sacred 2, Fallen Angel, run around, fight monsters, get treasure. I recommend it. What does it run? I think I picked it up for like 12 bucks. It was... Like 10,000 or whatever, or 1,000 at Microsoft Points? No, it's not Microsoft points. It's an actual physical disc that you oh, buy. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and God, we've got several hours into it, and then I finally figured out the button to push to look at the map, and we've only <laughs> unlocked this teeny tiny bit of the map, so we'll be doing it for a while. Speaking of attack combos, remember I kicked your ass at Mortal Kombat last week? <laughs> uh, we need a rematch. <laughs> yeah, we got Mortal Kombat finally. That was, played that at PAX, too. That is so damn much fun. Yeah, they, they've really gone over the top. I don't know how they could make it more over the top at this point, unless like there's some version of Connect where you actually experience physical pain and removal of your own organs when you play it. Yeah, the, the, the fun thing is like at the, the big finish him move at the end, when you don't you know manage to just jump up and like go hoo-hoo and knock the guy over <laughs> you know a lot of those moves are so goddamn funny that you know, we were just dying laughing like did you really just rip my cock off and beat me over the head with it that's unreal <laughs> then i shoved a grenade into the gaping hole that was cock and <laughs> touched it off it's so ridiculously violent and over the top. It just yeah, it's out of hand. Oh God! Speaking of distasteful, as I've harped on, my house is in total disarray. The place where we spend most of our time is under construction, and the place where we're now forced to spend our time is like mostly full of shit that was in the other place. Plus all the cabinets and stuff that are going to be going into it's so. I can't find anything. And I was reading like three different books. I was reading a book about Vikings. I was reading some spy novel, and I they got moved. They got misplaced. I don't freaking know where they went. 
I'm a little ashamed to admit this. I ended up reading Bossy Pants. <laughs> the Tina Fey book? The Tina Fey book, yeah. You know, the cover kind of kills me. <laughs> the cover was funny. Yeah. Big hairy forearms on her, on her little body. Yeah. And, and the book, it starts out, like, mildly amusing, and the book ends mildly tedious. Is it comedy or is it biographical? It's biographical, and she attempts to be funny. I chuckled a couple of times. I smirked, I think, three, three and a half smirks. And then at the end of the book, she's just phoning it in. She's, like, actually reprinting scripts from TV shows that she did. She's not even trying. It's a waste. I wouldn't recommend it. However, my wife is reading it, and she's laughing her ass off. And she keeps saying, oh, yeah, it's a female thing. I don't see the part. Maybe if you turn it upside down or you read it through special glasses or something, it's entertaining. <laughs> Maybe you read it with your vagina. I tried. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So, yeah, bossy pants. And I, I don't know. I guess if, if you're a female, then read it. If you're not, then don't. Go play Sacred 2 Fallen Angel. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, uh, if that's it, why don't we do some filthy jokes? Let's do some filthy jokes. Shall I kick things off? Yeah, do it. <clears throat> All right. So George and Harriet decide to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary with a trip to Vegas. So they get to the hotel, and Harriet's kind of checking in, and George is kind of standing back and looking at the lobby, and this beautiful young woman dressed in a very tight dress comes up to him and is being very friendly and kind of stroking his arm and chatting with him and he's kind of very brusque with her and just kind of blows her off and Harriet sees this they finish up their business and they start walking to their room and she's just George you were so rude to that sweet young woman and George turns to his wife and says Harriet she was a prostitute I don't believe that she was so sweet what are you talking about let's go up to our room and I'll prove it so they get up to the room George calls down the front desk and says can you please send Bambi up to room 1217? He hangs up the phone and says, Now, okay, you go and hide in the bathroom with the door open a crack so you can hear what's going on, okay? A few minutes later, there's a knock on the door. George lets the young lady in, and it's her, and she's beautiful, and she's still wearing the absolute knockout tight dress. George asks, So, how much do you charge? And she says, Well, 125 is the basic rate, but $100 in tips will get you some special services. George is just taken aback. 125? I was thinking more in the range of 25. And Bambi just laughs derisively at it. You've really got to be a hick if you think you're going to spend time with me for that price. George says, well, I guess we have no business to discuss. Goodbye. And she leaves and closes the door. After that, Harriet comes out of the bathroom and she's just shocked. I cannot believe it, that sweet young lady. George says, you know what, let's just forget the whole thing. Why don't we go down to the bar, we'll have a drink, eat dinner, it'll be great. So they're sitting there at the bar, and they're sipping their cocktails, and they're, they're kind of, you know, getting used to spending time with each other quietly. And all of a sudden, Bambi comes up behind George and points slyly at Harriet. See what you get for 25 bucks? <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> oh, God. All right. These two women were out for a Sunday stroll, and one had a Doberman, and the other had a Chihuahua. Is it? You know what, dude? I just realized this this isn't really a very filthy joke. Um, That's okay. Well, just, uh, no, just... you know, I'll filthy it up a little bit. Let me start over. Uh, these two lesbian prostitutes who just <laughs> had sex with a Puerto Rican baseball team were out for a Saturday stroll, and, and one had a Doberman, and the other had a Chihuahua. Is this filthy enough now? Yeah, that's nice and filthy. Well done. Okay, good. As they walked down the street, the one with the Doberman said to her friend, let's go over to that bar for a drink. And the lady with the, the uh, lesbian prostitute with the chihuahua said, oh, we can't go in there. We've got dogs with us. The Doberman girl goes, just watch. Do as I do. So they walk over to the bar, and the one with the Doberman puts on a pair of dark glasses and starts to walk in. And the bouncer goes, oh, sorry, lady, no, no pets allowed. And the woman with the Doberman goes, you don't understand. This is my seeing eye dog. A Doberman? The woman goes, yeah, they're using them now. They're very good. Bouncer goes, uh, okay, uh, come on in. So then the lady with the Chihuahua, she thought that convincing him that a Chihuahua was a seeing eye dog may be a little bit more difficult. But she's like, ah, what the heck? So she puts on her dark glasses and she starts to walk in. Once again, the bouncer's like, oh, hey, sorry, lady. No pets allowed. The woman goes, you don't understand. This is my seeing eye dog. The bouncer goes, a chihuahua? 
The woman says indignantly, a chihuahua? What the fuck? I thought they gave me a, they, they gave me a chihuahua? <laughs> Did I filthy that up enough? Well done, sir. Nice and oh. filthy. Just the way we like it here. Good. I'm glad it was filthy enough for... If it's filthy enough for Steve, it's filthy enough to leave. I don't know. For America. Yes. For America. <laughs> All right. Well, a uh, couple of thank yous. I'd like to thank Manor Astroman, of course, for letting us feature their music this show also i'd like to thank touch and go records for making it all happen also i would like to thank our good friend vaughn who sent me a care package last week dude oh god sent me a couple of videos a werner herzog film called fitz Caraldo, and from tartan asia extreme sympathy for mr vengeance which is i think the third in the old boy trilogy have you heard of Old Boy? And, and the Old Boy trilogy is what now? Old Boy is like this like epic revenge film, I understand, that I have not seen, but it's supposed to be amazing. There was actually some talk of Spielberg remaking it a couple of years ago. Wow. So no. it's, it's something I've been meaning to watch. I think it's streaming on Netflix right now. And this is the third one in the trilogy, so it's a great opportunity for me to catch up. And I've always heard of great stuff, too, about uh, Werner Herzog films. Especially, I guess, his uh, commentaries on DVD are supposed to be hilarious. So I'm looking forward to checking that as well. He also gave me a nice bit of smut, this zine called Cinema Sewer, I think it's called. Which is oh, like, good. Like half cut and paste porn and half interviews with directors. And it's just a crazy thing. Very funny. So thanks, Vaughn. I appreciate you thinking of me, man. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Right. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at our show hotline, 425-296-6557, or reach us via email at steve at bonehand.com. Got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour. And you can find my work, such as it is, at mightywombat.com. You can follow me on Twitter, mighty underscore wombat, a new cartoon every week, even while I am broadcasting from an undisclosed location. Dude, I, I gotta say, I, I don't think we've talked about this. The Wolverine cartoon was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm starting to think about that. I mean, Wolverine's superpower is super healing, right? Yeah. So, so something like a vasectomy is just not going to take in that guy. <laughs> and the punchline is just priceless. So. Thank you. That that was one of those cartoons that. It had many, many forms before the final form, uh, before the punchline came to me, and I, I shrunk it down. It was actually like a, a linear, like three, four panel cartoon originally, and I, I loved that I was able to blast it down to a single panel. Yeah, well, I got to say, I, I had forgotten to say anything to you, but I, it was hilarious. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm Bonehand over there, or we also have a Bonebat Twitter feed so you can keep up on show news. I also have a new uh, Bone Bat Facebook group, so come on over and give us a like. And yeah, check you... us out. We're funny there. As always, thank you for listening. And if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. So our closing tune tonight, one more from the Mighty Manor Astro Man. I can call them Mighty, can I? Yeah, you totally can. They are Mighty. Okay. This tune is the aforementioned. You know, we're aforementioning a lot of shit. There's so a what? lot of aforementioned. We should do a five-mentioning. Yes, the aforementioned... <laughs> I like it. You you just broke my mind because mathematically it's actually the a nine mentioned nine volt. Wow. From experiment zero on Touch and Go Records. Check this out. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Yeah, you sound better when you're leaning forward. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You can't expect me to lean forward. Oh, you could. No. You could set the mic on your little pot belly <laughs> while you're talking. That'd work. I could, but then I would have, it would get in the way when I try to rub like banana cream pie into my belly while I do the podcast, which is how I do every podcast. <laughs>